you have your bulletin, I want to encourage you to get that out as always, and be sure there's some blanks there to fill in, and also just to jot down anything that God gives you, it's worth jotting it down. So I hope you'll be in the habit of having a pen and paper and just jotting down. So appreciate those who have been sharing the post and sharing the services. I think we had a record this week of how many people shared the service. We've had a lot of response back. And so again, it's kind of, a, kind of crazy amazing that you can be a part of outreach by just hitting that share. So it really is phenomenal. We appreciate those who are joining us by way of live stream as well. So anyway, thanks for your part in just helping promote and just get the word out. So we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say it's probably been a passion of mine from my very, very early days. And I've, I've had a journey of I've experienced a lot of things. I've been to a lot of things. I've heard a lot of things. How many of you know there's different opinions about the Holy Spirit? Even among Baptists, all right? But anyway, it's fun, and I appreciate the input. Several of you have given me thoughts and ideas. I really, really appreciate everybody taking time uh, to give some input into my life. So Jesus told the disciples, it's actually your advantage that I go away, for if I go away, I'll send the helper. And again, God had a better plan than walking side by side with us. God's ultimate plan was to come and take up residence in your earth suit. That really is amazing. But without Jesus dying, without him taking care of the sin problem, that could never happen. So without Jesus, nothing is possible. But because of that death, God wants to come and have an intimate relationship and live inside of us. It really is amazing. And so in John chapter 7, Jesus said there, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit. So Jesus said, I didn't say, Jesus said, he who believes in me, for every believer, it's God's will for the Spirit of God to flow through all of his children. So this isn't just for the elite of the elect, but literally when we talk about being Spirit-filled and allowing that river of life to flow, it's for every child of God. So this is for us as we travel forward and navigate. So we've been using 1 Thessalonians 5.23 as kind of a springboard as we're talking about the Spirit of God, body, soul, and spirit. Again, Paul says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. I think God created us as a three-part individual. We have a spirit, we have a soul, we have a body, or an earth suit as I like to call it. Long as you're on earth, gotta have an earth suit, all right? But you can't take your earth suit to heaven. Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But while we're on earth, Got to have an earth suit. But it came from dust, going back to dust. So again, as we think about the three-part person, as we invite God into our life, where, I mean, no matter how you visualize it, somewhere God comes in your life. I believe the Bible teaches he comes into our spirit. And our spirit and his spirit become one spirit. So I think if you're a born-again believer, if you have God in your life, Part of you is perfect. That part where God lives, we would all agree, God is perfect. God has it. So that part of you, wherever God lives, however you interpret that, that part of you is complete. I believe it's your spirit. So you are 33% already 
perfect. How many of you think that's a good start? That's a good start. It's the other 66% that we have problems with, all right? And so our soul, which I believe is our mind, our emotions, our will, it's kind of the control room of your life. With your soul, you decide every day whether you're going to walk in the spirit or walk after the flesh. You decide that, all right? And so again, no one can make you. You know, you can put somebody in a room with a Bible, but that doesn't mean that they're going to go in there and read it. Are they going to really listen? But again, you decide every day if you're going to walk in the Spirit or walk after the flesh. So our soul, from the moment you get saved, I believe your soul is in the process of becoming more like Jesus. So that part of you, we call it sanctification. There's a part of you that as long as you live, you're going to continue to make progress, hopefully, and become more like Jesus. But the earth suit, the other part of us, is wearing out. So that part came from dust, going back to dust. So part of you is perfect, the part where God lives. Part of you is a work in progress. And the other part of you, your earth suit, is slowly wearing out. All right? And so we've used Kai here. And I just want, I've added something to Kai. I believe Kai represents everyone who does not have a relationship with God. And there's kind of a void up there in his life, that empty puzzle piece. I just want to remind you, everyone in this world is looking for hope and happiness and purpose. You know, I, I've been around some people that were pretty rough. They were some drug dealers, some people that people said, man, they are the, some rough, tough people. But it's amazing when you get alone with people, no matter how rough and tough they look on the outside, can I tell you, everybody's looking for hope. Everybody's looking for purpose in life. Everybody's looking for that missing piece. What is it that brings hope and happiness and purpose in life? And we know that's God. So God created us to want to be loved. Everybody wants love. And isn't it amazing? He created us to want love, and he is love. So God created us to want himself because he knows he can fill that void in our life. So Kai, before he accepts God, has kind of a dead spirit. That means it's disconnected with God, and it's disconnected because of sin. Every lost person, I believe, has a spirit, soul, body, but their spirit is disconnected with God. And that sin is the problem. But if Kai understands that Jesus died for him, if Kai asks God to forgive him and to come into his life, I believe the Bible teaches whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now notice his face. He looks kind of gloomy because people without Jesus are kind of lost. But when he invites Christ into his life, God forgives him. That frowns turn into a smile. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, God sends his spirit. And I always want to remind you, does the spirit look like Jesus? Whether you like the drawing or not, the reason the spirit looks like Jesus is because they're one and the same. And again, I want to remind you, if you're saying, should we invite Jesus into our life or should we invite his spirit into our life? Yes, it's one and the same. If you have the spirit of Christ, you have Christ. You have the spirit of Christ. So technically, he sends his spirit that the Bible says knows everything about God. He sends his spirit to come and live inside of us so that we can know God on an intimate basis. That really is amazing that God would want us to know him 
to that level. All right? And so one of the slides I've been working on here is uh, this. It's kind of crazy, but out here in the world, there's a lot going on, and a lot of people are watching us. And, and literally, we're playing to the world, or we're playing to God. How many of you know there's a lot of stress to try to fit into this world? I mean, young people are under so much stress. It's hard to imagine how many young people are facing so much pressure out here. I'm just telling you, the world wants you to conform. And the world is judging you based on your earth suit and based on your performance. But God always judges us from the inside out. He said that even to Samuel back in the Old Testament, if you remember, when Sammy went to, uh, Samuel went to Jesse's house to anoint a king. And the first one he saw was his older son. He said, man, this guy looks amazing. He must be the one. And God said to Samuel, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. I just want to tell you, out here, there's a lot of stress because everybody is judging us. Everybody is wanting us to come up to a certain level. But God always sees us from the inside out. Every day you get up, if you're a born-again believer, you are God's child. You have a right-standing relationship with God, not based on your performance, not based on the church you go to. But if you have Christ in your life, you are a right-standing relationship. You are justified in the sight of God. And it will change your life if you get up every day and see yourself as God sees you. Even though you're a work in progress, even though you will always be a work in progress, God could not love you anymore, nor could he love you any less. He loves you every day, even though you're a work in progress. Really important. So we've used average Joe here. And so again, no personal if your name's Joe, but Joe here spent some time this week at work. How many of you get excited about going to work? Work can be kind of monotonous, all right? But anyway, so he's at work. He's not too excited. He got to go down and see the uh, ark adventure. So he got to take a couple days vacation, go down to the ark. That was always a highlight. And then he also is carrying around a lot of baggage. How many of you have known a Christian that worried just kind of felt guilt. And so he's, he's kind of carrying around a lot of baggage. Now let me ask you, from the eyes of God, which day does he have a right standing relationship? Does he have a better standing at work, down at the ark encounter, or even while he's stressed out and worried? Which day does he have a right standing relationship with God? Every day. It doesn't matter. How you feel, how you, you know, your emotions does not change how God sees you. And in Christ, the Bible says, again, you are righteous in the eyes of God, not based on your performance, but it's based on the fact that Jesus took care of the sin problem. It will change your life if you know every day you get up, God has favor. God looks down on you as his child. He loves you as much as he loved Jesus. That's kind of exciting. So we're on, I think, number six or seven. Once we get to 10, we're going to drop this off, all right? So anyway, let's all say together, closer to God I cannot be, for in the Spirit I am as close as he. You know, some people say, man, I need to get closer to God. Somehow the world tells us that God is a million miles away. I just want to tell you, if Christ lives in you, if the Holy Spirit lives in you and your spirit and his spirit are one spirit, how much closer to God can you be? I just want to tell you, you could not be closer to God. God 
is uptight and personal. God lives inside of us. So a couple weeks ago, we looked in 1 Corinthians 2, great chapter on the Holy Spirit. Paul says there's unlimited wisdom, unlimited knowledge. I mean, with the Holy Spirit living in us, we can know what's on the mind of God because he knows the deep things of God. And he ends the chapter by saying we have the mind of Christ. And the reason you have the mind of Christ is you have his spirit that knows everything about him. Last week, we looked at grieving and quenching the spirit, all right? And so again, just to define in simple terms, I think grieving the spirit is when the Holy Spirit tells us to stop and we choose to keep going. I think we grieve the spirit when the spirit is leading us to do something and we choose not to. How many of you found yourself kind of breaking and accelerating this week? You guys shared a lot of funny stories, all right? Sometimes you did really well, and sometimes we just didn't get it, but sometimes we didn't do it. But every day, God wants you to walk in the Spirit. He wants us to stop when He says stop. He wants us to accelerate when we say accelerate, all right? So learning how to walk in the Spirit is a process. Well, today we're going to talk about a subject that I don't hear a lot about in the, in the Baptist circles, and that's being spirit-filled. And, and by the way, when you hear the term spirit-filled, you get a lot of different responses. And I just want to tell you, over the years, I have been to unbelievable, I've been to so many different things that have taught so many different things, I just decided I would see what the Bible says. How many of you think that's a good idea? All right. And so we're going to talk about being spirit-filled, because it's God's will for us to be spirit-filled every single moment of every single day, all right? So let's look in Ephesians 5.18. The King James says here, Do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting he compares being filled with the Spirit to being drunk with wine. How many of you have ever been around somebody drunk? And don't look at anybody right now, all right? But if you've been around, now I know some of y'all are afraid to raise your hand. But I grew up, I mean, I, I, was, I was around our church, I mean, to my shame, our, some of our church kids, we went out, we did drinking, we did drugs. And so I've been around, and here's what I found. When people get drunk, it changes their nature. People that are timid and bashful, all of a sudden, they want to fight everybody. It's not smart for a skinny kid, not smart. But when they get drunk, they feel like they can take anybody on. The other thing being drunk does, people that are kind of bashful, they become very funny. They get, they get goofy. They get very bold. They say things they probably shouldn't say. But alcohol has a way of controlling you. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. All right? And by the way, when you see people that get happy and filled with the Spirit, wouldn't it be awesome if, if we got so drunk in the Spirit that they thought we were drinking here? Some of y'all are holding on tight, hoping I don't ha hope it don't happen today, Pastor. I hope it don't All right. So the Amplified Bible says it this way, do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, stupidity. I didn't even know stupidity was in the Bible, but it's in the Amplified, all right? And it says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. So instead of being controlled by an outside substance, be controlled by the Spirit. And here's what I've discovered. When people are filled with the Spirit, people who are very timid become very bold. People that don't have much of a personality, when they get filled with the Spirit, they just get happy. How many of you ever been out eating with a bunch of Christians that got happy? I mean, it's crazy. It's, cra it's crazy out there. They may, they may think you're drinking. But again, wouldn't it be great if we, we walked out of church just all filled with the Spirit and all the neighbors thought we were drunk? Especially in a Baptist church, that'd really be good. That'd really be good. 
All right, so let's define that word fill. The word fill means to fill up, to cause to abound, to supply liberally, to flood, to saturate. Now, typically, if I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit, I'll have a sponge up here, and I'll dip my finger in water and just touch the sponge, and then I'll throw it to somebody. And even though it has a little touch of water, obviously it doesn't get them wet. That's having the Spirit, but not being saturated. But to be saturated with the Spirit, I take the sponge, and I soak it in water. I pick it up, and it's just oozing with water, and then I like to throw it at somebody. It gets them all wet. That's God's will, that the Spirit of God would come out of our life and just literally touch people everywhere we go. And so the verb is in the present imperative in the Greek, if you study it, which means this verse is expressing a command to be filled with the Spirit. God wants us to be filled. It's a command. There's a reason God is commanding us to be filled with the Spirit every moment of every day because He knows there's not one moment of any day that we can just do it on our own. We need the Spirit of God every moment of every day. I love the literal interpretation should be, be constantly, moment by moment, being filled and controlled by the Spirit. I mean, literally, it's, it's not a one time and done, but literally it's a process every day of walking in the Spirit and learning to ask God to fill us along the journey. So it is a lifetime process. It's not, again, a one and done. So I love on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came the first time, I love when the people that saw what was going on, uh, some mocked and said, they're full of new wine, they're drunk. Now Peter didn't stand up and say, we're Baptists, we don't drink. He didn't say that. What did Peter say? He said, they're drunk. Peter said, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. We wouldn't be drunk yet. Now that wouldn't be my response, but that was his response. You guys are really quiet. All right. So anyway, isn't it funny, though, they thought they were drunk with wine? I love, I would just love to be in a Baptist church where everybody got drunk in the spirit. Woo, that'd be fun. Some of you timid people, some of you people kind of sour, get happy. I remember a guy, one of my early discipleship groups, he, he worked at a school district. And he said that they were forbidden to share Jesus at, 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 at school district. And he said, I don't know if I want to take discipleship because I, I, I'm, just, I'm just so timid. I could never talk to anybody about Jesus. I said, that's okay. And so we just spent time getting a daily time with God, learning to fall in love with God. And man, this guy got so in love with God. It was really funny. He came to me one day and he said to me, I'm, I think I'm going to get fired at school. I said, why would you get fired? He goes, I, I'm talking to everybody about Jesus. I said, don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. He said, I, I can't help it. Whew. Wouldn't it be great to be so full of the Spirit we just couldn't help being happy and help being bold for Jesus? Whew. No longer would they have to tell you, man, go out and try to be a witness. It would just happen. I mean, God would just begin to flow, and it would just be exciting to be a part of. So how does being spirit, filled with the Spirit affect our relationships, all right? Right after he commands us to be filled with the Spirit, moment by moment, he goes on to say this, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So first of all, God puts a song in our heart. Now, I love how he says, speaking to one another. So that would, that would include me. I'm so glad God didn't say, sing to one another. It, would, it, might, it might take your happiness away if I sang. But isn't it amazing how a song can lift our spirits? 
know, God puts a song in our heart, and I can listen to music, and man, I can just be worried. There's something about a song that God puts in our heart that lifts our spirits. And so I want to encourage you to find a song of worship and just find a place where you can just sing to one another and speak to one another, have a song on your heart. And then he says, uh, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I believe one of the things being spirit-filled will do, it obviously affects our relationship with each other, but it also gives us a thankful heart. You know, Christians ought to be the most thankful people around. Not because it's anything out here to be thankful for, but we know God is on his throne that ultimately God wins in the end. I just want to tell you, God, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be grateful for. And then he gets into family relationships. You know, being spirit-filled, I just want to say this. If there's one place we need to be spirit-filled, it's in the four walls of our home. I want to tell you, I don't care how loud you jump on Sunday, I want to know what goes on at home. Are you spirit-filled? He goes on to talk about the wife's responsibility to the husband, the husband's responsibility to the wife, the parents' responsibility to the children, the children to the parents, masters to servants, servants. He begins to talk about personal relationships. I remember I had a guy that cut my hair many years ago. I was a young pastor, but he cut my hair, and he said to me, I love to take my wife to weddings. I love to take my wife to weddings. I said, why do you like to take your wife to weddings? He said, I wanted to hear that part where the wife promises to submit to the husband. I nudge my wife at that part. And he said, all I have to do is pledger my trough, whatever that is. <laughs> now, what he doesn't know, if you're being honest with Scripture, I just want to go on record as saying there's equal responsibility in marriage. And I want to say, it says that the husbands are to love their wife like Christ loved the church. And I'm going to tell you something, husbands, if we can love our wife like Christ loved the church, they're going to have no trouble following our leadership. I mean... You say, how can I pull that off? How can I love my wife like Christ loved the church? How can I submit to my husband? I'll tell you how. You get filled with the Spirit. The Spirit will enable you to make a difference in the four walls of your home. The four, the being filled with the Spirit will help teenagers learn to obey their parents. Will help parents learn how to not kill their children. Amen. So what's, what's the result? This is the fun part about studying being filled with the Spirit. What happens when somebody is filled with the Spirit? I've been told a lot of things. I've been to a lot of meetings where there was nationally known speakers who prayed over Brenda and myself. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many people said to me, man, when you get filled with the Spirit, you're going to speak in tongues. That's the evidence of being Spirit-filled. Now, I want to go on record as saying I am not against speaking in tongues. I believe it's a gift of the Spirit. I believe all the gifts are still relevant. Paul said, do not forbid to speak in tongues. But I, I was told that. I mean, I've been told a lot of things happen if you get filled with the Spirit. So I decided I was going to see what the Bible said. How many of you think that's a good idea? Always check it with the Bible. See what the Bible says. Can I tell you, people are afraid to get Spirit-filled because they've been told so many things that they're afraid of what might happen. I'm just hoping you are Spirit-filled so I can see what happens. Because you will change. You will have a boldness. You'll have a happiness. So I, what I decided to do, I went through the New Testament, and I found every case where it says specifically somebody was filled with the Spirit. And what I did was I made a chart. 
I wrote down what happened before they were filled, at the time they were filled, and then after they were filled. You have all these on your notes, all right? If you're watching by way of stream, you can just pause it. But these are the 10 places where the Bible says specifically they were filled with the Spirit. Now, I think they were filled with the Spirit at other times, but it doesn't say it. So I took these 10 and I said to myself, if I can find the same thing holds true in every situation, I would assume that would always happen. But what I discovered is it's all unique. There aren't two things exactly the same. But I have people say to me, well, on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. That's one of the evidence. And again, I'm not against speaking in tongues. But can we just be honest? Can we be honest with Scripture? Let's go back to Pentecost for just a minute. Before they were filled with the Spirit, they had spent 10 days meeting together and praying. I will often ask somebody, did you spend 10 days praying together with some other folks? Well, no, I, I didn't do that. It's amazing how we'll take one thing out of Scripture and we forget about the other things. But if we're going to use this passage, let's use the whole passage. But again, at the time they were filled with the Spirit, the Bible says, first of all, they heard a sound from heaven like a rushing wind. I will often ask somebody, did you hear the sound? Did you hear the sound? Well, no, I haven't heard one person. I, no, I haven't heard the sound. And then it says, tongues of fire sat on each one of them. I said, man, did you get the fire? Did the fire sit on top of it? No, no, that didn't happen either. They did speak in other tongues, which was just other languages. I don't think it was the unknown tongue because people were there from all over and they all heard the gospel in their own language. So they were speaking other languages, which again is okay. And then after that, about 3,000 got saved. How many of you think that'd be a good Sunday if 3,000 got saved? And I often ask people if they use Pentecost, I say, how many got saved when you were filled with the Spirit? Almost always it's, it's nobody. I just want to say we need to be honest with Scripture. If we're going to take one little thing out of the Bible, let's be honest with the whole passage, all right? Now, there's some passages we don't use at all, and Stephen is one of them. By the way, Elizabeth is another. Remember, Elizabeth was pregnant when she was filled with the Spirit. I hope that doesn't have to happen. 50% of us are eliminated, and the other 50% probably aren't excited about being pregnant the rest of your life so you can be filled with the Spirit, all right? But Stephen, he was preaching to some religious leaders before he was filled with the Spirit. So if we were to take that case and say, well, you'd have to be preaching before you're filled with the Spirit. At the time he was filled with the Spirit, he was, the Bible says he gazed up into heaven. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And by the way, that's kind of a cool passage because the Bible tells us when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. But when Stephen looks up, he sees Jesus standing up. Now, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know why. Somebody said that Jesus was giving him a standing ovation. I don't know if that's right. It sounds good. Somebody else said he's standing up getting ready to welcome him home. But wouldn't it be great if Jesus would give us a standing ovation? But Stephen was faithful, preaching the word. He gazed up into heaven, saw Jesus standing right in the fire. Then after he was filled, he was stoned. I don't like that example. I've never heard anybody use that one. But here's, here's, I'm just giving you some of my observations. Number one, being filled with the Spirit is not about you or me. It's about the kingdom. It's not about making me look good. It's always making God look good. Number two, one of the things I find more than anything else, when people are filled with the Spirit, they have an unusual boldness. People who are timid become very bold in their faith. 
And I believe we're going to see people become very bold in their stance for God when they get filled with the Spirit. And here's one thing I did note from every single case, every single time that someone says they were filled with the Spirit, every single person without, without exception was used by God. I want to tell you, if we can walk in the Spirit, if we can be filled with the Spirit moment by moment, day by day, I want to guarantee you God will use your life for His glory. It's important. So is it important to be Spirit-filled? Why is it important? Because let me give you a natural and a spiritual law, all right? And that is, when you're squeezed, whatever's on the inside comes out. Now, I want you, this is probably the most profound thing I'm going to tell you. Why should we be filled with the Spirit? Because if you're filled with the flesh, when life squeezes you, when life pokes you and prods you and knocks you down, what's on the inside will come out. I, I often use an Elmer's glue bottle here. And so I have a, a glue bottle and I have just a little bit of glue. It's only about maybe a tenth, 10% glue. But if I open this, and obviously it's not filled with Elmer's glue. It just has a little bit. So what happens to a Christian when you have the Holy Spirit in you, but you're not full of the Spirit? When life squeezes you, this is what happens. Listen real close. This is very profound. It's probably as important as anything I'm going to say. I want you to listen. What happens when life squeezes you? Out comes hot air. How many of you as a Christian... You should be praising God, but you find yourself saying things you shouldn't say. You find anger. When life squeezes you, what's on the inside will come out. Guarantee it. One thing, one of my big struggles is, is traffic. Traffic is my thermometer. And I have found 90% of the drivers in this country, 90% of the drivers are awesome. The other 10% are right ahead of me, usually. And I'm telling you, when I'm in traffic and I can be praising God, thinking about God, and all of a sudden people driving crazy, I find myself getting squeezed and I find myself saying that I shouldn't say. But I always hear God audibly, always. I've never heard God clear and an audible voice as when I'm in traffic and I always hear him through my wife. <laughs> now she could just sit there and pray for me. But she'll tell me, you know, that's not right. You know, you need to be patient. I hate that. Ah, and I got to bite my tongue. But when you're squeezed, what's on the inside will come out. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, I'm just going to tell you, Christians can get ugly. I'm going to tell you, my most disappointing experiences in life have been with Christians. They can take you to the mountain. But I'm going to tell you, you get a Christian that's walking in the flesh, they can be as mean as the devil. Doesn't mean they're not saved. Doesn't mean God doesn't love them. But if you're not filled with the Spirit, if you're filled with yourself, when life squeezes you, you're going to be ugly. I think I share with you, I don't know if Courtney's here or not, but it was one of my favorite stories of Courtney when Courtney used to ride with me when she was a little bitty. And I would get a little frustrated in traffic, and she would look up at me as only a little child can and say, Dad, patience is a virtue. <laughs> I never heard God clearer than through her. Per patience is a virtue. I hate that. 
And so I got to ride with her when she started driving. I don't know if she was 16, 17, and she started getting frustrated in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> I sat over with calmness. I said, honey, someone really important said to me one time, patience is a virtue. And here's what she said to me. Dad, this is different. <laughs> no, the only difference is you're driving, I'm not. How many of you love revenge in the flesh? So pray for me. But anyway, so what happens is if we're not filled with the Spirit and the world and people squeeze us, and you're going to get squeezed, you can walk out of here praising God, and maybe before you get home, something's going to happen to squeeze you. Because you never know when it's going to happen. That's the thing. You never know when you're going to get squeezed. That's why you got to be filled every moment of every day. Because you just never know when you're going to get squeezed. And when life squeezes us, this is what happens. If you're in the flesh, out comes flesh. And I'm just telling you, if you ever wonder why Christians get ugly, it doesn't mean they're not saved. doesn't mean they're on the way to heaven. doesn't mean God doesn't love them. But if you're walking in the flesh, you're going to get ugly. But if we're filled with the Spirit, see how the Spirit is filling the soul there? When, the, when we're filled with the Spirit of God and life squeezes us, out comes that river of living water. And I tell you, that's God's will for all of His children. That's why He says, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's why He commands us, moment by moment, be ever being constantly filled and controlled by the Spirit. Because you don't know when life's going to squeeze you. You have to always be full. Now, again, it's a process. It's not a one-time deal. I'm not telling you, don't get discouraged if you find yourself letting the flesh come out. It's a day-to-day -day process, all right? And so how do we do it? Just real quick, I don't think there's any magical formula. I think it's sitting down before God. I love how David says in Psalms 139, he just asked the Lord to search his heart. You know, every once in a while, it's good to do some spring cleaning on the inside. Just to sit before God and just let him kind of clean out some of the dust and some of the cobwebs. And, and here's some questions I just want you to think about. Am I worried about things which I have no control? Do I have any baggage from the past? Do I have a secret sin that I should forsake? Is my thought life pleasing to God? Do I have anything in my possession that does not rightfully belong to me? Am I taking care of my body, the Holy Spirit's temple? Is my devotional time pleasing to God? Do the things I watch and listen to please God? Do my words build up? Let me back up there. Do my words build up and encourage others? Is everyone forgiven? Is there any bitterness in my heart against anyone? Does my use of money reflect putting God first? Does my life reflect the fruit of the Spirit? Do I have the right relationship with my family? Is there any bad habits I need to forsake? Am I sexually pure before God in thought and in deed? You know, I think it's important just to go through and allow the Lord to cleanse us on a daily basis. And again, it's a process. It's not, again, a one-time deal, but it's walking in the Spirit, learning to stop when He says stop, learning to go when He says go, and just literally every day asking God to fill us and to control us in, in the Spirit. I love this verse in Galatians 2.20. Somebody says, is it really possible to be that surrendered to God? Galatians 2.20 needs to be on the top of your memorizing list. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, and this is out of the New Living Translation, my old self has been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, it's no longer I, but Christ. Can you imagine getting to a point that you could honestly say that my life, it's no longer Roger doing it in his own strength. Everything Paul did, he came to a point in his life, he said, it's no longer me, but it's Christ living through me. Wouldn't it be great to be at that point that God is so flowing through our life that all of our responses are him responding through us? That is what it means to be spirit-filled. Here's my last slide. Let's take these eight people and they all attend church, which is a good thing. But how many of you know that everybody that comes to church may not be born again? Coming to church does not make you a Christian, as someone has said, any more than going into a garage makes you a car, all right? But coming to church is good. But God always sees us from the inside out. God doesn't judge from the outside. But let's say of these eight people that five of them are Christians. Five of them have invited Christ into their life. They've asked God to forgive them and to come into their life. And so five of these eight are believers. How many of you know believers and unbelievers can exist together? The Bible says wheat and tares grow together. And sometimes in the very end, God will separate. But let's say of these eight, five of them are believers. But it's possible that they can be a believer, have Christ in their life, and still not be walking in the Spirit. So let's say of the five, three of them are filled with the Spirit. That's God's will for all of his children. To moment by moment being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, God doesn't want you to do one day in your own strength. He's never asking you just to go out and, and do your best. He's really asking us to surrender to him, to be filled with his spirit, and everything we do to allow that river of life to come through our life. That's God's will for our life. Let's stand together. All of us here today are one of these three categories. Maybe you're here today, and I appreciate you coming. I don't want anyone to ever stand before God and ever say to God, I thought I just had to go to church. Or I thought if my name was on the church roll, that was enough. I want to tell you, if your name's not on the Lamb's Book of Life, you will not make it. If you haven't appropriated that death that he died for our sins, and so if you feel a tug in your heart, if you're not sure whether or not you've ever truly given your heart and life to Jesus, I pray that today you would do that. I pray that you would just acknowledge that your sin has separated you from God, that Jesus died for that sin, ask him to forgive you and to come into your life, and I believe he will honor that. If you're here this morning as a Christian, I wonder what would happen. Can you imagine what would happen if all of us here as his children got filled with the Spirit for one week? Can you imagine the lives that would be touched as we head out? wonder what would happen if we would just ask God to fill us, to allow that spirit to saturate our life and just to spill out everywhere we go. As we prepare for communion, is anybody here did not get a communion cup and you would like to celebrate communion? If you'll raise your hand. Anybody here? Okay, I see some up in the balcony. Anybody else? If somebody's up in the back of these coming your way, keep your hand up if you will until you get. Anybody else? Anybody down here? Anybody not get a communion cup? So as we take a moment and just prepare our hearts for communion, Jesus, the Bible says that first night, looked up and gave thanks. I hope that we never 
ever forget to be thankful for that incredible sacrifice Jesus gave to us. And Jesus said, every time we take communion, we proclaim the Lord's death. So we're always looking back to that ultimate sacrifice. He said we're to do it until he comes again. So we know that one day he's coming again. The Bible says we should examine our own heart and just make sure that, again, we've got things right between us and God. And then he said to consider the body of Christ. This is probably one of the most exciting things to celebrate in the body of Christ of anything. That we all can agree on the importance of that death, that one day he's coming back. And so I want you, if you have that, if you will, turn it with the juice down and just peel back that label and take out the cracker. And then turn it back with the juice up and then peel that back. And in just a moment, we're going to take the cracker and the juice at the same time. But Jesus said as he passed out the bread and the cup, he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, again, you proclaim my death until I come back. So together, let's just with a thankful heart, let's just look up and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And let's eat the bread and drink the cup in celebrating that ultimate gift. Love you guys. And some of you may, or maybe you're mad at me, maybe you have a difference of opinion. I would love to talk to you. I've heard about everything you can hear about it, and it's okay. And maybe we walk out of here with different ideas. But I just want to challenge you to see what the Bible says. Always follow the Bible. Follow the Spirit of God. And again, we can go out and eat whether we agree on everything or not. I love you guys. And man, it's my prayer that we can just begin to live it out and begin to walk in the Spirit every day. Let's pray and then we're going to close out with a song. If you don't mind on your way out today... Uh, throw your cups away. We would appreciate it. We're also having a, a visitation here this afternoon at 2 o'clock. So if you guys could do me a favor as you're exiting, whenever that is, just kind of police your area. And if you'll help me kind of clean up, we just want to make things as nice as they can. Uh, Linda Vedenhop will be laid out here from 2 to 5. And so we just appreciate everybody's help. Love you guys. It's fun talking about the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a joy. Let's pray and close out with a song. Father, fill us with your spirit. I pray that not one child of yours would walk out of here just doing the best they can and just live it in their own strength. But God, help us to tap into those unlimited resources. And I pray truly that that river of living water, as we're squeezed by life, I pray that your spirit would come out in every circumstance. So fill us, empower us to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.